The scripture reading will be from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. That's Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. If you uh, would like to follow along in the Red Pew, Pew Bible, that's on page 984. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all th these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. If someone were to put you on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? That's a question worth thinking about. If someone were to put me on trial for being a Christian, what evidence is there that I belong to Jesus, that you belong to Jesus? The fruit of the Spirit ought to be seen in every one of our lives. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 qualities that are produced because we belong to Jesus, because we have chosen, we've decided to follow Him. The fruit of the Spirit is about producing in our lives qualities that really are a biography of God. Love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness. Do people think of you as a kind person? Does your family think of you as a kind person? You know, if, if we really belong to Jesus and if we're really striving to follow him and, and sing songs like we just sang with Brother Tom, let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me, people ought to think of us as kind. And you know, there are a lot of people in the world that aren't Christians that are kind people. I've run into a lot of people from a lot of different walks of life that are kind, but we're talking about a specific reason for kindness this morning. When we talk about kindness as the fruit of the Spirit, when we talk about this quality in our lives, it's produced because of how God has treated us. And if you're taking notes, you need to write that down. God's kindness to me is the basis for my kindness to others. And that's the difference about kindness as just a quality that's nice to have versus kindness as the fruit of the Spirit. It's based on how God has treated us in Jesus Christ. And because God has been so good to us and has cared so much for us, we want to display, we want to mirror, we want to reflect that kindness to others. Kindness is a language. When I lived in Tanzania, sometimes we'd have trouble with government officials. Sometimes, not because the letter of the law said anything, but just because the official decided to be a little bit belligerent or a little bit slow to act. And sometimes people that would come to Tanzania and had to deal with these officials, they'd get really angry and irate. Why don't you do for me what you need? But there was a missionary that worked with us. He taught me a lesson I'll never forget. 
He was always as sweet and as patient and as kind, no matter how belligerent or offensive the officials were, he was always as kind and calm as he could be. And he said to me one time, John, kindness is a language that everybody understands. Even dogs and cats understand kindness, don't they? If you've got an animal living with you, if you've seen a dog or a cat, they, they understand people that are kind to them and people that are not kind. It's a language that is universal. Do people think of you as kind? Is this the atmosphere of your life? Because if you're following Jesus, it's evidence that we belong to him. Let's describe kindness. As you think about Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit, kindness. It's the Greek word krestates. And describing it is a little bit of a challenge. Let me give you three ideas to kind of hang on. Idea number one, kindness is to make oneself useful to someone else or to make things easier or smoother for them. A great example of this is the parable of the, of the, uh, the Good Samaritan. The parable of the Good Samaritan, Luke 10, verse 29 through 37, where Jesus talks about a man who was beaten and left on the side of the road and there was a priest who walked by and a Levite who walked by and they saw the man and they had opportunity to stop and help the man, but they passed by on the other side. And then there was a Samaritan that came along and the Samaritan stopped and he bound up this man's wounds and he put him on his own animal and he took him on into town and made, made a provision for him to be cared for. To make oneself useful, to make things easier or smoother, that's kindness. A second way to describe kindness Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Again, I say, a lot of people in the world choose at various times to be kind. Interestingly enough, people that just choose to be kind, typically, they're kind to people that are kind to them. But if they have an enemy, if they have someone that they're not getting along with, kindness is a lot shorter supply. Kindness for Christians has to do with treating others the way God has treated us. It's about being tenderhearted. It's about being forgiving. It's about treating people the way God has treated me in Christ Jesus, having forgiven me of my sin. Incidentally, Ephesians 4.31 is about putting away anger. Bitterness and wrath and malice and contention. It's about putting those things away. Being kind to one another. A third description of kindness. Kindness is, brothers and sisters, it is helping. Not just as a matter of philosophy, but as a matter of function. Not just a philosophy, but a function. It's not just about having good intentions and saying, you know, I wish the best, I hope the best, I'm praying for you. Kindness is about doing something. It is active in its function. James 1.22 commands us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. If we could paraphrase James, he'd say, be doers of kind deeds and not just having good intentions to be kind. Make the way smoother for somebody, bless somebody, help somebody, and do that as a matter of habit in your life, as a matter of function, not just your philosophy, not just what you intend or think is, is a good idea, but doing something. That's important. 
when we think about describing kindness. Let me give you four images as we think about the description of kindness to consider today. Image number one, kindness, brothers and sisters, ought to be an atmosphere in our lives. In 2 Corinthians 6, verses 5 and 6, the Apostle Paul talks about his ministry in Corinth. And he says, I commend myself to you. I want to remind you of the kind of ministry I had. And he says in verse 5 that his ministry was involved with being beaten and being stoned and being mistreated and reviled. He mentions some really negative things that had happened in his ministry. And then in verse 6, he goes on to say, but also... My ministry is committed to you in purity and in kindness, sincerity, those kinds of things. And what he's saying to the Corinthians is, I didn't go around with a mean spirit. I didn't go around full of hate and vitriol in the way that I treated people. That's not the way I conducted myself among you. The atmosphere of my ministry was one of kindness among many other things. Let me ask you a question. In your home right now, is kindness part of the atmosphere of your home? That's a question that all of us ought to stop and consider because I believe this, if you can be a Christian at home, you can be a Christian just about anywhere else. But if you struggle at home, you're gonna struggle in a lot of other areas as well. Can you produce an atmosphere of kindness in the way that you treat the people that you live with? Is kindness part of the atmosphere? If you go to a fancy restaurant and you're looking forward to a great meal and there's a five-star chef, he's world-renowned, you know this is gonna be a good meal, but you walk into the restaurant and there's an odor, a bad odor. Maybe the decorations are wonderful. Maybe the, 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 atten- uh, the attentiveness of the staff is wonderful. Maybe the food is delicious, but if there's a bad odor, if the atmosphere is bad, It doesn't matter what else is being done. And the same thing is true in our homes. The same thing is true in our lives and our relationships with others. Kindness is to be an atmosphere. Paul says, this was the atmosphere of my ministry among you. It was one of kindness. A second idea. Kindness says something to people, brothers and sisters. It says something. Love suffers long and is kind. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. Love is kind to others. When I show kindness, I am expressing to others, I love you. I care for you. It's not just about assumptions. It's not just about, well, I know in my heart how I feel about you. It is expressive, expressing kindness to others. Do you do that? Or do you wait for others to express kindness to you? Do you wait for others to show some kind of some kind of interest in you before you express kindness to others. You are saying something to others by your action and sometimes by your inaction. How do people know we love them? Because of our kindness toward them. A third image or metaphor to think about. Kindness is an investment. In 2 Corinthians 9 verses 6 through 11, Paul talks about giving. He's talking about the the collection. He's talking about giving as a matter of generosity. And he says this, he who sows sparingly shall reap sparingly. 
I want you to think about kindness in that context. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 11. Kindness is something that you can sow. And I will promise you this. If you go through your life because of Jesus, because of the gospel and its work in your heart, if you go through life sowing seeds of kindness for the Lord's sake, you will never regret the harvest that comes from that. Never. It's an investment that we make. There are a lot of investments financially that may be a bit risky, that you're not sure if you're gonna get your money back, but this is an investment that you can know. If I sow kindness in my life and my relationships because of God, because of my connection with God, if I sow kindness, this is an investment that will return rewards far beyond anything that I've invested. God promises that. He who supplies seed for the sower will enrich you and strengthen you and bless you for every good work, the Bible promises in this passage. It's an investment. And then fourth, kindness, brothers and sisters and friends, is a garment. You got up this morning, you went to your closet, you decided what you were going to put on, what garment you were going to wear this morning. The passage that was read just a few moments ago by Clint in Colossians chapter 3 verse 12 tells us as Christians that among other things, we Christians are supposed to intentionally put on kindness. Again, if somebody were to put you on trial for being a Christian, would there be evidence? Would somebody be able to convict you? This person follows Jesus Christ and I can see it in their kindness toward others. You know, sometimes when you have to call one of those nameless, faceless corporations, you get on the phone and you dial, and once you get past the computer, you're gonna talk to a live person, congratulations. Oftentimes you'll hear the, the, the voice come across, it'll say, this call may be monitored for quality assurance. You ever talk to somebody and you hear those words? This call may be monitored for quality assurance. And what that tells you is this corporation, at least at this point, they're really concerned about how they treat you. They're really concerned that somebody deals with you professionally, hopefully with kindness, and somebody may be listening in on your conversation and they're listening to how you're treated because they want as a company to make sure that their representatives are treating you well. Can I just say this? Every word you speak and every action and deed that you undertake is being monitored by God for quality assurance. God is concerned about how we deal with others. He's concerned about our lives and he's watching us and he's saying, John, I've been so good to you. How could you treat others any other way? How could you treat others without kindness? How could you be hateful and full of vitriol? How could you do that if I've treated you so well in Christ Jesus? Your life is being monitored for quality assurance. If you belong to God and God has treated you so kindly, this is the fruit. This is what happens. This is how we treat others. Let's talk about some examples of kindness. God is the ultimate example of what it means to be kind. Let me share with you some passages. Luke 6:35, Jesus says, "Love your enemies, disciples." You see, being kind is not just about being nice to the people that I like and they like me. It's not just about my friends. Being kind as the fruit of the Spirit is about my enemies as well. Jesus says, do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great. You will be sons of the Most High. He's talking about his Father. 
For he, God, is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. You wanna know whether kindness is really a fruit in your life? How do you treat people who are ungrateful? How do you treat people who are evil? How do you treat them? Because God is kind to those people. Romans 2, 4, do you despise, do you presume on the riches of God's kindness and forbearance and patience? Not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. You know what that means? God's being very, very, very patient with you and me. He has been in our lives to this point. He continues to be. He is patient and kind and forbearing. And if that's the way God's going to treat us, how could we take on the mantle of a judge and sit in judge and jury and and look at other people and, and look down our noses at them spiritually? How could we ever do that? If God treats us with patience and kindness, how could we ever decide that we're the jury and look at other people and say, well, I'm thankful I'm not like those people over there. It's exactly what's happening in that context. People are judging others because of their lifestyle and the way that they live and saying, well, I'm glad I'm not that way. I'm not that immoral. God says, I've been kind to you. Are you presuming on my kindness by the way that you're treating others? My kindness is meant to lead you to repentance, but it's meant to lead them to repentance too. All of us need to come back. All of us need to come home to our heavenly father. God is the example of kindness. Titus 3 verses 4 and 5, when the goodness and loving kindness of our God and Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. God takes initiative to save. That's what Titus is getting at. That's what Paul is getting at in writing to Titus. God takes initiative to save. God is being kind, not because we deserve it, not because we've done something to earn it, not because we've somehow commended ourselves before God. He's being kind to us because he's kind. That's his nature. And again, the question has to be, do people think of me? Do they think of you as a kind person? Ephesians 2, verses 6 and 7. God has raised us up. Those who've become Christians, you've been raised from the dead and you've been raised up and seated with Christ in the heavenly places so that, and watch this, he's talking now about the future. He's talking about the next life in the coming ages. You see that? In the coming ages, when you go to heaven, in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. You know what that passage is saying? Among other things, it's telling us that when we get to heaven, we get to experience the kindness and grace of God for all eternity. He's gonna lavish his kindness upon his people over and over and over. So not only has God been kind in our past and continues to be kind in our present, but our future is one of being treated kindly and graciously by God. And if God is this way, how can we look at other people and say, well, we don't see eye to eye and therefore I have the right to cancel you. I have the right to be angry toward you and vitriolic toward you. How can we treat other people that way? It seems to me we live in a day in which kindness is in great, supply, great short supply. We live in a day when kindness is just hardly ever seen. And yet God is saying, 
I've treated the world, I've treated you, and I continue to treat you with kindly. I promise to treat you with kindness in the future. How can you be unkind to others? Romans eleven twenty two. Note then, behold, the goodness or kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you provided you continue in his kindness, otherwise you too will be cut off. The ultimate kind expression from God is when God gave his son Jesus to die for us and we can come to him and respond to him in obedient faith and we can become New Testament Christians and we can live in the kindness of God. Continue in the kindness of God. But Paul is saying, if you don't continue in that kindness, you'll experience the severity of God. There's another side to his character as well. All these things blended in perfect harmony and perfect unity within the character of God. His goodness, his kindness, his severity. When we think about why we ought to be kind, when we think about the motive and the reasoning for why we ought to treat others with kindness, God's the answer. What he's done for us in Christ Jesus is the answer. We are kind because he is kind. Let me share with you seven ways biblically, and there are many more than this, in which we might express kindness. And what I'd like to challenge you to do is right now, this week, I'd like for you to think about, as you walk away, I'd like for you to think about what God has done for you. And then I'd like for you to think about some areas in which you can express kindness to others this week. Fair enough? Area number one, we express kindness, brothers and sisters, when we give someone our full attention. Walk through your day and pay attention sometime. How often do you really give someone your full attention? In Mark 10, verses 49 through 52, blind Bartimaeus was crying out to Jesus and Jesus, the Bible says, stopped and he turned and he said, bring him here to me. And Bartimaeus came to Jesus and Jesus looked at him and said, what do you want me to do for you? He had Jesus' full attention. When do people in your life have your full attention? If ever. It's kindness. Friendliness. The King James says in Proverbs 18, verse 24, he who would have friends must himself be friendly. And that gets translated another way because of some background and textual questions, but the principle is true and it's there and it's, it's real. He who would have friends must himself be friendly. One of the ways in which we show kindness to others is by being friendly toward them. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. When was the last time you personally showed friendliness, not just to your friends, but to somebody who maybe you don't know as well? Service to others. Jesus and his apostles were around the table at the Last Supper and everybody had dirty feet. And there was obviously somebody needs to do this. Jesus looks around the table and sees that nobody else is washing feet. So Jesus gets up and Jesus gets a bowl and a towel and Jesus goes and washes all of their feet. John 13, one through 15. And then he says at the end, you call me Lord and master and you well say for so I am, but I want you to follow my example. Do as I have done to you. 
serve somebody else out of kindness, out of compassion. How do you express kindness in your life? Gratitude. Think about this. When's the last time you sincerely, genuinely, heartfelt said thank you to somebody? 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It is kind, brothers and sisters, to thank and to be, and to be great, uh, grateful for what people have done for us and ultimately what God has done for us. Give thanks to God. It's kind to do so. Kindness has to do, brothers and sisters and friends, with overlooking faults. Proverbs 19, verse 11, don't give vent to all your feelings. Our glory is to overlook, to cover a fault. Proverbs 19, verse 11 tells us. Before you ever say anything about someone else, you ought to ask a number of questions. You ought to ask if this is true or helpful or if this is needed. And you ought to ask, is this kind? Are the things we're saying right now about somebody else, are these things kind to say? Even if it's true, is it kind? Even if it's needed, am I saying it as kindly as I could? Overlooking faults. That's a Christ-like quality. I'm fascinated by the fact that Jesus worked with Judas for three years. He knew the whole time that Judas was a traitor and he never called him out in front of the others. I'm fascinated about that. He never called him out. He never pointed at Judas and said, he's gonna betray me, watch out for him. Jesus is kind, even to his enemies. Continuing, what about gracious words? Ephesians chapter four, verse 29 tells us, let no corrupt communication proceed out of our mouths, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. What's the atmosphere like in your home? What's the atmosphere like in your workplace? What's the atmosphere like in your relationships with others? Do gracious words, do kind words proceed regularly out of your mouth? By the way, kindness, if I haven't said this, is expressed in primarily two ways. It's expressed by what we say and what we do. Think about that, by what we say and what we do. And you can do some kind things and be really unkind in saying the things you say while you do the kind things. Think about that. You could be really mean in saying some things in the midst of doing something that on the surface, all things considered, would be kind. It's about what we say and what we do. Gracious words. Kindness, brothers and sisters and friends, is about forgiveness. Be kind to one another, be tender-hearted, be forgiving to one another. Those three terms go together. We're to be kind, we're to be tender-hearted, we're to be forgiving. Because kindness is about overlooking faults, it's about forgiving those who have wronged us. Ephesians 4 verse 32. Again, my challenge for you this week is just to ask this question. Is there kindness in the way I treat others? Stop waiting for other people to be kind to you. Stop waiting for other people to express kindness to you. You be someone for God's sake, for the gospel's sake, because you belong to Jesus, you be someone who displays kindness in the way that you treat others. And there are so many ways in which we can express that. Maybe you're not yet a Christian. 
God has been kind to you in providing a savior, providing the blood that you need through Jesus that you might be cleansed and washed of your sins. And you contact that blood when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, repent of your sin, confess his name, and when you're baptized for the remission of your sins. If we can help you this morning to obey the gospel, or if we can help you by praying for you, heaven's invitation is yours this morning. Won't you come forward while together we stand and while we sing?